Welcome to the 1988 Royal Rumble here on Cronoso Monthly. All right, guys, this is the first Royal Rumble we have on Cronoso Monthly. So let's not waste any more time and let's get to it. Take it over, guys. North South Connection. What is going on? Mike Eller here uh, with you uh, to give you the arena and landscape breakdown of the 1988. Royal Rumble, which took place on January 24th of that year. Um, first ever Royal Rumble, obviously. Um, this was not a pay-per-view. Um, it was a television special, which aired on the USA Network, where WWF, WWE is still prominent outside of that five-year uh, hiatus, where they were part of Spike, um, TNN and Spike. Um Randomly, I, I have to just a little sidebar here. I was curious: is the is the USA Network short for the United States of American Network? Because um, you know, obviously, their logo is kind of reflected about the American flag, uh, but it's not. It's just the USA Network. Uh, so I don't, now you know. And sidebar over. <laughs> so let's go over our WWF. Uh, our champions of the company at the point. Uh, we don't have any changes, which is kind of a sign of the times where we're not seeing many title changes. Um, if we do these shows in like 1999 for the Cronoso, uh, we might have multiple updates to do for these. But uh, still, your WWF champion is Hulk Hogan. Your intercontinental champion is the Honky Tonk Man. Tito Santana, Rick Martel, Strike Force. They are still your WWF tag team champions. And the women's champion of WWF is Sensational Sherry. So um, we went over, uh, I, I went on a little bit of a rant about the USA Network. Uh, we're not even in the United States for this show. We are north of the border um, in beautiful Canada and specifically Hamilton, Ontario, Canada at the Cops Coliseum. Uh, this was a fairly new arena at the point. At this point, it opened a little bit over two years ago in November of 1985. Um, it would hold this name for almost 30 years before changing to the first Ontario Center in 2014. Uh, teams that played there, um, you know, I'll be honest. Generally, I can just kind of do this off the top of my head um, when I talk about the teams that played there, but not this case. Uh, so let's break down the teams. Um, from 1985 through 1988 in the Ontario Hockey League, uh, we had the Hamilton Steelhawks, followed by the Dukes of Hamilton, what a team name, from 1989 to 91, also in the OHL. Um, another OHL team that played here from 20, 2015 to 2023 uh, were the Hamilton, now Brantford Bulldogs. Uh, other teams that played here, the Hamilton Skyhawks of uh, the National Basketball League. And then uh, to go over a couple AHL teams, we had the Hamilton Canucks from 92 to 94 and the Hamilton Bulldogs from 96 to fairly recently in 2015. Um we even have the Ontario Raiders of the National Lacrosse League and uh, the Hamilton Honey Badgers of the Canadian Elite Basketball League. We follow it up um, 
from the National Lacrosse team still playing there today, the Toronto Rock. Uh, so a lot of teams, honestly, I had not heard of many of these outside of like the Hamilton Bulldogs from the HL, but I hope you learned those now. Um, I hope you memorized all of those. And if you didn't, um, I didn't either. Uh, so uh, big show for tonight, like I said, and we have a really good attendance. Um, 15,000 is our attendance for tonight. Uh, this is the first like big show that WWF has had in this arena. The last time they were there, uh, they had a really good house show uh, from December 13th, 1986. Uh, we had an IC title match where Randy Savage defeated Roddy Piper via countout. Um, I, again, IC title match. And then we got a tag team title match too, uh, where the British Bulldogs defeated Bob Orton and Magnificent Morocco. Uh, so they retained the WWF tag team titles. Uh, like I said, this was the last major show, uh, or the first major show. We're not going to get one again in this arena, um, like I mentioned, 1999. But the next one for this arena is going to be in September of 98. Uh, WWF Breakdown uh, is the next one. So almost like 11, basically over 11 and a half years, so, or over 10 and a half years, so they get another one. Uh, so enjoy the show. Um, we've got a lot of really great talents from the North-South Connection that are going to be breaking down these matches. It's a super fun show. I really hope you enjoy it. Um, the, the announcers for tonight's show were Vince McMahon and Jesse the Body Ventura. Um, and with that being said, you guys all enjoy the show. We'll talk to you next time. Adios. Hey, now! Hey, now! Steve Bennett here, Paula Bennett Paul there. Bennett. We are from the 24-inch podcast, the Sportscasters podcast. I want to thank yes. North-South Connection for having us back here for some Cronoso. Yay! Our match tonight is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat against Rick Rude. And it's a historic match because it's the first ever match at a Royal Rumble. Wow. Yeah, so Steamboat here is about... What, six months after losing the Intercontinental title to the Honky Tonk Man at the Auditorium in Buffalo. And I was at that match. And tell everybody what happened when I saw Ricky Steamboat lose the match. He cried his heart out. And how did Grandpa get me to stop crying? Um, get a Hulk Hogan stuff. Yeah, Hulk Hogan foam finger and some nachos. So we're about six months after that, but we're not quite to the point where Rick Rude has become the Intercontinental Champion yet. That will happen wow. later. Uh, but it's a singles match. It goes 17-39. Yes, Paula. Oh, ladies, please don't like Rick Rude. There's no point. Yeah, what do you think about that Rick Rude when he comes into the ring? He didn't really do it here. He hasn't quite developed that part of his gimmick. But in a, in a few months, he's going to start doing the sweat hog thing and take the robe off, right? And say... Blah, 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 giving me a headache. And our, your mom, she just falls right for it. Yeah. She loves that sexy body of the Rick Rude. And we tease her all the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like look, there's Rick Rude. Yeah. Like, because Rick Rude's made, like, he, all wrestlers made up a personality, and that's what they have. Right, their gimmick. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of like that about wrestling, because, like, their gimmick is like what their character is, kind yeah. of. Yeah. Like what we're doing in writing. Real fake. 
where we had to make a character and yeah, like kind of like that. You're doing it in school. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, on this night, Steamboat and Rude have the task of getting the television audience involved, getting the arena worked up. Um, we're going to build towards the uh, the the Royal Rumble, the the contract signing. It's a big night, and Steamboat and Rude got to kick it off in style, and they do okay. It's a decent match. I think there's a little bit too much yeah. laying around on the mat. 17 minutes and 39 seconds is probably too long. It should probably be more like 13 minutes long. 12, 13 minutes would have been enough here. Um, but when they pick it up, and they start moving with pace. I think there's some really great moments in this match. Is it Steamboat's best match? No. Is it Rude's best match? No. Is it their best match against each other? Probably not. But it's a decent start to the Rumble here. Paul, your thoughts? I thought it was bad. You thought it was a bad match? Because I didn't like how they were just like laying down. Like Too many rest holds? Yeah, and... Like, I like Master Dewey, they're just like, one punch, one punch, blah, 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 blah. A little bit like, more pace. Yeah. yeah. I don't like, like, the matches that, like, one punch down. Just a little too long, yeah. I think. Yeah, and I did, like, I got bored for the last, like, five or 15 minutes because... Yeah, five, not 15. Yeah, I think it was about five minutes too long. Um, but the crowd was with them for the most part. It's a good crowd. I went to, years later... In 1998, I went to a pay-per-view there called Breakdown in Your House and got to see Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, He defended the title against Kane and The Undertaker, um, and he lost the match. I don't remember what the storyline was with the title, but I remember being there and seeing some cool matches. Owen Hart wrestled that night. Mark Marrow, who's from Buffalo, wrestled that night. The Rock and uh, defeated Shamrock and Mankind in a triple threat steel cage match. That was very cool. Um, so I like this venue. I've seen Pearl Jam there. Um, there's been a historic hockey game there in 1987, the Canada Cup final um, against Russia. Canada and Russia. Yeah, Paul. Well, I was just going to bring up that um, I looked up this on Google. Mm-hmm. And for all the Hulk Hogan fans... So, I looked up on Google, Lost Treasures, New Season, blah, blah, blah. And they asked, what are they, if, are they doing Hulk Hogan this year? Because I have Google on my phone. They said, yes, they are. They don't know what match, though. They don't know what day. Okay, here's something interesting about this match that we were uh, watching. There's an article you can find online. Uh, the 10 big wrestling matches with terrible botch finishes. And this match comes in at number six. Let me read it to you. Tell me what you think about this. Rick Rude versus Ricky Steamboat at the 1988 Royal Rumble should have been a classic. The Dragon was at the height of his powers as one of the greatest baby faces of all time, while Rude was the complete opposite, a despicable heel with no redeeming personal personality traits. Sadly, what we got was a good but not great bout with most of the disappointment coming from the way it ended. So let's talk about the ending. The Ravishing One looked to have the match won. He had Steamboat locked in a submission hold. But the tap-out rule didn't exist at the time. For a wrestler to submit, they needed to be unresponsive after having his arm lifted three times. And that's what happened with Steamboat. Of course, it wasn't supposed to happen. Ricky was supposed to raise his arm at the final attempt, after which the match would have continued. He forgot, but to increasing the confusion levels further, Rude wasn't even awarded a submission victory. Steamboat took the match via disqualification. 
Um, and what happened there was Steamboat went to the top rope. And as he came down on Rude, Rude pulled the referee in front and the referee got knocked down. Now, Rude acts like he won the match, walks off like he's the winner. And they're even playing his music in the arena. But then it's announced that Steamboat won by disqualification. Um, so a mistake there by Rude. Uh, maybe a little bit confusing finish. But I think that the overall point is good. It was a good, not great match. Yeah, Paula. How did he get disqualification? He got disqualified for pulling the ref in front of the move. So the ref got hit instead of him. You can't do that. Oh, right. I forgot that rule. Yeah, you can't make the ref be the one to get hit. <laughs> Refs don't like that. You're you're the one in the fight, not the ref. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, thank you all veterans. Thank you. Oh, yes. Memorial Day is coming up this weekend. <laughs> Good point. I think this might actually run on veteran on Memorial Day. So, nice. yeah, shout out to the veterans. But anything else you want to say about uh, Ricky Steamboat versus Rick Rude? Like I said, I think there's better Steamboat matches. There's better Rude matches. <laughs> there's better Steamboat versus Rude matches. Paul, you're off the rails. This match was in Canada. Which Memorial Day? Who? We should just start America every single day. All right. Well, I'm going to have to ask the North-South Connection fans Thanks. to do one thing before they hear us next month. You're a grand old duke. No, it's not that. I'm going to ask the fans of the North-South <laughs> Connection to say their prayers. Ancient Rider-Man to tell your friends about the 24-inch podcast. Okay, everyone. It's now time for that segment you've all been waiting for. That's right, it's the segment from the Thunder Down Under. That's David Hall here bringing you the attempt by Dino Bravo to set a new world bench press record at the Royal Rumble 1988. You're excited, aren't you? You know you are. You have been waiting for this since the last episode of Chronoso Monthly dropped. Well, I'm excited too. Uh, look, this this segment cops a lot of criticism from a lot of people, but yeah, if you put it in context at the time, it's a really enjoyable segment. Dino Bravo had just come off his run as part of the new dream team with Greg the Hammer Valentine, and they were looking to repackage him. And so they paired him up with Frenchie Martin, and they went with the gimmick of essentially the world's strongest man. The, the gimmick that a lot of other people have had over time. Bravo had only, since he broke up with uh, Valentine following Survivor Series 87, he only appeared on one match on Superstars. So this is really the introduction of the Dino Bravo character. This segment really is about putting Bravo in the forefront of of the audience and getting this new gimmick over. So Mean Gene is our host and he has been joined by Jesse the body because Jesse is the spotter. He's the spotter. And Jesse explains what the spotter will do, how he's going to support Dino and just help um, help make sure nothing happens to Dino. Um, They introduce Bravo and he comes out with Frenchie Martin, his new manager, Frenchie Martin sucks. Frenchie Martin sucks dirt. He is one of the worst managers in the history of the business. But in this one setting, it actually works because Frenchie Martin spends the whole segment talking French and it annoys the hell out of everyone listening, including me and Gene. 
who uh, has a go at him, tells him to speak English and all that during during the segment. So anyway, Bravo gets himself ready, puts powder on the gloves. Um, uh, Jesse is explaining everything as we go, so his hands don't stop giving the audience their, their idea. And and they start with 450 pounds of warm-up weight. And, and, and this is where the heel work really comes in because every time he's about to lift, Dino demands quiet from the audience because he needs to totally concentrate. And of course, Every time he says it, the crowd erupt into booze. Of course they do, because that's what a wrestling crowd does. We get 450 pounds. We get 505 pounds. And at each stage, the crowd are booing. Jesse's telling everyone to shut up. Um, We want silence. Let him do it. But he keeps going through 555 pounds. And again, we ask for silence and again, we get booze. So so you get the impression, you get the idea. Bravo is building up, building up bit by bit. Every time he does the crowd booze, Jesse gets on their case. And I love it. There's one point just as he's about to do um, 595 pounds. Jesse says, whether you like the guy or not, give him the chance. Give him a chance. And of course, that's a very Jesse Ventura thing to say. Um, we do 595, we do 655. They're really dragging this out every time now. Bravo stands up, tells everyone to stop just before he's about to, to lift, sits back down again, um, really gets it in. And then and, and at 655, Mark Jesse gets up Vince's case. He, he sort of says, you're, you're holding your hands up there and you're doing this. And he's really sort of impro- implying that Vince McMahon was encouraging the audience to boo louder, which probably was happening. It was just out of camera shot. You couldn't see it. Uh, but Jesse's just at his absolute best. We then go to 7.15. Jesse advises everyone this will be an unofficial world record because the bar has to be weighed later. And as Bravo goes to go down, the crowd break into the booze. And Bravo gets up and he goes to leave. He goes to walk out. This is pure heel heat. This is pure heel tactics left and right. He goes to leave. Once again, Jesse gets on. Don't you want to see a new world record? And the crowd respond, no. Of course they don't. They don't like him. They don't want to see him do anything good. Um, Dino returns. And this is the moment that this whole segment is built around and how and, and the legacy of this segment clearly Dino is struggling. He gets he gets the bar. They drop the bar down. He tries to lift up. He can't do it. Jesse clearly helps him lift it up onto the thing. And then they all celebrate. Frenchie celebrates in the background. Dino gets up and he hugs French and he hugs Jesse. And, and, and of course, Mean Gene was obstructed. He had his view obstructed by Jesse. So he's like, oh, an unofficial world record. But Vince is straight onto it. Oh, I don't know. I think Jesse helped him. Now, this, this segment... As I said before, it cops a bit of criticism because it does drag out. It goes a long time. But in the context of the time, it's a fantastic way to build a new hill. As I said, Dino hadn't really been on TV in this gimmick. This was this was the way to introduce him. You want to get him heat. You want to get him, the crowd annoyed at him. And so by dragging it out and, and refusing to get him to, to, to lift and maybe even walking out. It, it incites the crowd by telling me quite, it incites the crowd and they respond accordingly. And then the, the final bit where Jesse helps him lift it up, it just sets that, that gimmick into all eternity because from that point on, Vince 
and Gorilla Monsoon, they're always harping on about how Dino Bravo didn't lift the weight. He had Jesse's help. And Jesse always maintained he didn't help. He just put a pinky on the bar. He wasn't helping. Uh, it's a great way. It's a great legacy that it leaves. Um, do you want to sit and watch it again over and over? Probably not. It It is long. It draws out. But in the moment, it got its job done. It got it did what it was supposed to do. It made Dino Bravo a new heel. It signified that he was quite strong. So you've got this, you've got this heel guy with a lot of power. Um, it, it continues to help Jesse put forward the heel commentator role that he plays so well. And um, it, it, it's an enjoyable segment uh, for what it is. Um, so there you have it. The bench press record has been set. Or has it? Oh, uh, we know that we know the story, but the world's strongest man or Canada's strongest man gimmick has been made, and Dino Bravo will carry this on pretty well through to the end of his run in the WWF in um in 1990, late 1990, early 91. So uh there you have it. Set a world record, make yourself famous or infamous. And talking about famous or infamous people, this is the Thunder from Down Under. Um, Dave Hall, you can catch me on um, on Through the Looking Glass over on the Place to Be Podcast Network. Um, really encourage you to listen to that monthly episodes. It's really, really good listen. We look at Scott Criscolo and I look at um, some things that, you know, wrestling history revisited. What might have happened if it was done a little differently? Um, encourage you to check it out. And, uh, and of course, obviously, you'll hear me every month on the Cronoso monthly. So that's it from me today. I think we've got a women's tag team title match coming up. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Johnny C here as the Royal Rumble 1998 continues from the Copps County, Georgia Coliseum in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. That can't be right, can it? Oh, well, we're back from a commercial after the completely without controversy Dino Bravo bench press challenge. The following contest to be covered here on Cronoso Monthly is for the World Wrestling Federation Women's Tag Team Championship. The Women's Tag Team Championship, not the Women's Tag Team Championship. So, confirmed it's a different lineage. So put your tweets down. And it is scheduled for the best two out of three falls. Currently in the ring, the champions. Even though they're the champions, and of course... They're accompanied by their manager, the Mouth of the South, and my legal beagle, dude. Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart, come on in here, dude. Yeah. Jimmy Hart accompanies the Gilmore Girls, Rory and Lorelai. Oh, hold on. My assistant, Woodrow, has just handed me some documents. Apparently, the Gilmore Girls are being replaced by the Glamour Girls, Judy Martin and Dakota Kai. Hold on, another more documentation here. Pardon me, Leilani Kai. All right, that's probably for the best. So Judy Martin and Leilani Kai here, the current champions of a tag team nature. They're wearing delicious gold and black outfits, and Jimmy Hart matches, as he's one to do, and it looks really cool. They're announced with a total combined weight of 286 pounds, which means 143 apiece. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Their opponents accompany down the aisle by some really shitty 
World Wrestling Entertainment Network dub music, and a new voiceover by The Fink. Because this was back in the day when they would re-record the audio, like when The Fink was alive, or they'd have Todd Grisham announce it. Like at WrestleMania 6, he'd be like, Coming down the aisle, Sweet Sapphire and Dusty Rhodes, I swear, I'm really The Fink. Now, the challengers are from Japan. Weighing 278 pounds. Are you shitting me? Eight pounds less than the fucking glamour girl. My ass. All right. They are the bomb angels of a jumping nature. Or the jumping bomb angels, if you want to be a normal person. Now, normally, normally the WWE dubs over theme music because of copyright issues. But how does this song not have a copyright issue that they're playing? I don't know what they came down to the ring to. But the dub sounds like American Maid's stepbrother. You know, American Maid, Hulk Hogan's WW entrance theme. He's better than expected. He's a U.S. grade. I don't know what to say, but I'm pretty sure he is American Maid. American. It's like, it doesn't have lyrics, but it's kind of that guitar. Was the Orient Express theme not available? But I'm excited for this match. I, I like the Jumping Bomb Angels. Immediately, though, before the match can get started, Vince puts Jesse on the hot seat, asking him to pick who will be victorious in this contest. Jesse goes with the champs, because they're the champs until they get beat, McMahon. Jesse... You can speak of champions after the travesty that we just saw. You see, Vince believes that earlier, Jesse the Body Ventura helped Adino Bravo in his bench press challenge. And before we can get started with this tag team match, on commentary, we've got to clear things up, which Jesse is apt to do. That's 750 pounds, McMahon, unofficial. They got away to bar. Did you not reach down and help him? Vince, what are we talking about now? Reach down and help him? No, I was spotting him. I did not close my hands against that bar. Are you questioning my integrity, McMahon? Come on, guys. There's a big matchup ready to get started here, but nonetheless, the back and forth continues. First of all, a person of your stature knows nothing about weightlifting. Actually, you know what? We could proceed with this. This sounds like it's going to get good. You don't know nothing, so therefore, you don't know what constitutes a legal lift in the first place. I know you had your hands around that bar, Jesse. I did not touch the bar! You what? I did not touch the bar until it was extended. Then I grabbed it, put it back on the rack. And speaking of racks, the bell rings, and here we go. The angels jump towards their opponents with a calculated double drop kick, and we're underway. Leilani Kai starting off with one of the Bomb Angels. Now, I know the names of the Jumping Bomb Angels. However, I'm curious to hear what the boys will be calling them on commentary. A vicious hair beal is delivered to the legal angel, and Judy Martin is tagged in, who scoops, slams, and covers one. No! See, it's only a one count because... Shades of Trish Stratus, the bombness that is the legal angel, does the Matrix kick out. You know, where she does the Matrix bridge pin. It's pretty cool. A reverse flipping schoolgirl by the jumping bomb angel makes Vince say, Come on, go for it! One, 
two, no. A tag is made to the fresh bomber, who Irish whips her opponent. Bomb two hits a running, rolling headbot. Wow. We're not in the Tokyo Dome, ladies and gentlemen, but the jumping bomb angels clearly came to work. Now the bomber has Judy Martin in the pile driver position. She converts it into what Vince McMahon calls nice maneuver. It's kind of like a suplex. She makes the cover, but gets only one. Finally, in order to clear all this shit up, Jesse the Body Ventura presses Vince McMahon on the issue we've been waiting for. Hey, McMahon, I got a question for you. What's that? What's the names of the two bomb angels? Uh, unfortunately, I don't speak Japanese all that well, Jesse. But you know what? Good for you, Jesse, standing up for these women. You know, it's a tough time for female sports entertainers here in the 80s, and it sounds to me as if Jesse wants to know their names so they can, you know, be afforded decent human dignity. Give them their due as active sports entertainers. Jesse continues, You know, I might want a date later tonight, and I might want to approach one of these girls. What do I call them? Just Bomb Angel? Well, fuck me sideways. I was a little off on my calculations there, but at least... He didn't suggest marking the jumping bomb angels with a sharpie to keep them, you know, identified. Vince, though, finally reveals his master plan. Um, let's call the one in the ring pink and the one on the apron red. Are they fucking Power Rangers, Vince? But you know what? I'll play along because it's true. Each jumping bomb angel does wear a different color on their bottoms. One of them is pink and one of them is red, so fine. Now, before we go further, I don't want to suggest that Vincent Kennedy McMahon needs more money. But apparently, based on his words, he owns the rights to a wrestling character named the Pink Angel. Does he have cause to sue Victoria's Secret? Maybe. Anywho, the Pink Angel's in there with Judy Martin. A flying press is attempted, but Judy Martin slams the Pink Angel down. Judy Martin misses an elbow, but then tags Leilani Kai. The Pink Angel hits a leapy knee strike to the chest area of Kai. The Red Angel is brought in and delivers a flying headbutt, then a drop kick. The Jumping Bomb Angels then double-team with forearms. They make a cover. One, two... Now the Red Angel locks the Cobra Twist in on Leilani Kai, dead center in the ring. Leilani Kai is definitely in trouble. Judy Martin runs in and tries to attack the Red Angel. But like a boss, as Judy Martin kicks, the Red Angel uses Leilani Kai as a human shield. And Judy Martin kicks her own tag team partner to a very big pop. All four women are in the ring. The Jumping Bomb Angels set up and lock in Stereo Figure 4's dead center ring in a very cool spot. You know, this kind of an awesome spot in a match, especially from the ladies here in the 80s, and that rhyme, deal with that, delivers or, or, or deserves a very impactful call. You know, can you imagine Jim Ross doing this? My God, they've locked into Stereo Figure 4's! The champions are going to lose the first fall here in a Rumble! But Vince McMahon is on the call. So he says, All four in the ring at the same time. The Bomb Angels lock in the figure fours, fall backwards to the mat to slam and begin the pain. Vince yells, And row your boat! So row your boat. Go on. How dare you? Eventually, the illegal athletes leave the ring, and the Red Angel breaks her figure four 
and delivers what I'm calling two leg stretch leg drops. So let me explain. You know the spot in wrestling when your opponent's back is on the mat and you have their legs? Bret Hart did this all the time. It's like, I'm going to lock in a sharpshooter. I'm going to do it. And he looks to the crowd and the crowd's like, yeah, hit him in the dick. So the jumpy bomb angel, instead of punching in the sternum, like a Bret Hart would do, spreads the legs of her opponent and delivers a leg drop to the legs, which not only spreads the legs further for pain, but also slams them down onto the mat, you know, for pain. It's very, very cool. I have to say, Jimmy Hart is in a state of panic on the outside of the ring, and the Pink Angel is tagged in to continue the matchup. Jesse is still reeling from those leg drop maneuvers. I've never seen that before, McMahon, and I know if I haven't, you ain't. Haven't. Not ain't. The Pink Angel locks in a very painful-looking deathlock on Leilani Kai that stretches her. She's getting stretched like she's down in the dungeon. Licorino. Uh Jesse, though, wants to clarify his earlier uh, verbiage faux pas. I know this is trivial, McMahon, but this is a cable show. I can say ain't. The deathlock maneuver continues. The pink angel clearly in control. The pink angel drags Leilani Kai to the corner and tags in the red angel. Red continues with a deathlock submission maneuver. Judy Martin tries to help, but falls on her face as she runs in. Leilani Kai inches forward, though, begging to tag. Is this some sort of a heel and peril spot? Judy Martin stands on the ropes for leverage and makes the tag to her partner. Referee Joey Morella refuses to allow this tag. Vince and Jesse explain that your feet have to be on the mat in order to make a legal tag. However, the Red Angel lets Leilani Kai go, and Judy Martin enters the ring as the legal combatant with no argument from referee Joey Morella after he just told her not to tag. Like, this is bad! And it really just makes me feel like an idiot for, for caring at all about professional wrestling. But that's okay. It's okay. We'll continue forward. Jimmy Hart massages Leilani Kai's leg on the outside to get some circulation back into it. Why are you wasting all this time massaging it? Just stab it with a white tube. It worked for mankind. Judy Martin has the Red Angel in the corner. Red Angel leaps for a drop kick, but the Red Angel is caught and slammed down with a powerbomb. Judy Martin hits a cheap shot to the Pink Angel. Red Angel bounces off the ropes, and an illegal kick is delivered by Leilani Kai. Judy Martin has the Red Angel in the powerbomb position, but she flips over her head face first and gets an easy one, two, three. So Judy Martin pretty much like does the alley-oop from all those WWE wrestling games, gets the cover for one, two, three, and the Glamour Girls are already up one to nothing. In a hilarious moment, Jimmy Hart leaps into the ring to celebrate like the entire thing is over, but we must head to a commercial. So, stay with us! We'll be back! All right, we're back from commercial. The bell rings for fall number two. The Red Angel and Judy Martin continue where they left off. Judy Martin, with a nice flying head tackle, called what a maneuver by vince she makes the cover one no and the red angel bridges out looks pretty cool scoop slam by judy martin she goes for an ultimate warrior splash but misses the pink angel is tagged in pink is a house of fire with a vicious clothesline from tokyo a flying press one two no wait a minute they went to commercial which means i guess Vince man 
Uh, I had an opportunity to talk to Bruce Pritchard in the back. And now McMahon says that the pink angel's name is No Reno. Like the word no in the biggest little city in the world, Reno. It's actually No Rio, but that's that's fine, I guess. Uh, The red angel is identified as Itsuki. And that's correct, so not bad. A double soup play by Vince's Angels. Norino, McMahon, that sounds Italian to me. Well, Jesse, I, I just don't know. Mm, she don't look Italian, McMahon. Double Irish whip reversal. The Glamour Girls charge, but they accidentally hit one another. Judy Martin, though, takes back control with a running belly smash. Martin lifts Itsuki, uh, which is Angel Red, for a backbreaker. The submission variant, Shades of Mark Henry. But this backbreaker is reversed into a sunset flip pin. One, two, three, and we're all tied up. For some reason, we see a replay of this event. And the replay reveals that Itsuki kind of botched the flip. And Judy Martin basically pinned herself. Uh, But sure, why not? We'll count it. Stay with us. We'll be back. All right, we're back for the third and final fall. Although, you wouldn't know that that's what we're here for, because uh, when we immediately come back from commercial, Vince McMahon is hyping, Yes! The Royal Rumble! And the big contract signing that's still to come. So continue to listen to this podcast. Double knee strike and Leilani Kai is down. A double clothesline and the jumping bomb angels are clearly in control. Uh, Things, uh, you know, settle down, and it looks like it's going to be Itsuki and Leilani Kai starting off the third fall. Leilani Kai delivers three vicious-looking gut kicks and tags in Judy Martin. Itsuki counters with an insiguri and tags in Norio, who attempts a muscle buster? But no. Judy Martin charges Norio into the buckle. Uh, It's dodged. A backslide attempt. No! Slingshot by Judy Martin. Leilani Kai is tagged in. This thing's getting out of control. Leilani Kai stomps away on Norio because she is indeed in the wrong part of town. Double teaming now, illegally. Come on, ref, get in there! All right, Leilani Kai attempts what looks like it's going to be a Pearl River plunge, but it's more like a double underhook souffle. She covers. One, two, no! Judy Martin in now. And my God, Judy Martin is biting her! Leilani Kai tagged back in. Now, Leilani Kai makes the mistake right away. She kicks Norio, and Norio flies across the ring. And sure, that's a pretty strong offense. Not a bad idea. But Norio's now in her own corner and makes the tag to Itsuki. Uh, Itsuki charges, but she gets a hair whip back and forth. She gets a whip back and forth. I fucked that one up. Uh, But Itsuki is down. Itsuki is getting choked in the corner. Come on, ref, get in there! There's some more double-teaming. Come on, ref, get in there! Jesse the Body Ventura throws shade at referee Joey Morella's counting ability. No, that's fair. Leilani Kai is in control, but Itsuki fights back. She gets in the German suplex position. But you know what? Fuck it. She slams Leilani Kai just, Leilani Kai just down on her face instead of suplaying her, and that's perfectly fine. Leilani Kai is back up. Itsuki locks in the German suplex position again. But instead, she lifts her and slams her on her ass, like an atomic drop without a knee. That's pretty cool. I guess we'll call it the German ass slam, which could also be like a fucking prog rock band from the mid-90s. Ladies and gentlemen, here at the Family Values Tour, Prodigy featuring German ass slam. Du hast. Du hast mich. Oh, that's Rammstein, not Prodigy. Breed the pressure. Breed the pressure. Blade my game, I'll test ya. Psycho. 
Psycho! Somatic! I never died! In the Glamour Girl corner, Itsuki stun guns Judy Martin's throat across the rope and then brings her in the hard way. Apparently, Judy Martin was tagged in mid-flip. All right. We're in the Jumping Bomb Angels corner now, and the tag is made to Norio. Norio goes up top. Itsuki slams Martin. Norio leaps and hits a diving knee. Come on! Come on! One! Two! No. Norio slams Judy Martin yet again. Hits a vertical press and a near fall. Butterfly Suplex Fisherman Lift and Pin by Norio. Is Tony Schiavone on the call here? Butterfly Suplex Fisherman Lift and Pin. Or I guess it could be Michael Buffer. The master of the Butterfly Suplex Fisherman Lift and Pin, Norio. Now, after this Butterfly Suplex Fisherman Lift and Pin by Norio, uh, Norio does have the pin. Joey Morella stands idly by as seconds pass. Come on, ref, don't just look at it, eat it! Finally, Joey Morella gets down and makes the count. One, two, no. Now that is really a miscarriage of justice because it should have been three. Itsuki is tagged in and goes for a flying body assault that connects. One, two, no. A body slam. Itsuki is up again. Up on the top rope. Show me the money, Itsuki! Shades of dick to go. She leaps for a senton! But Judy Martin rolls to safety, and Itsuki comes crashing down, and it hurts inside. Judy Martin covers, but gets only two. The tag is made to Norio, who hits a very shitty middle rope clothesline, makes the cover, but Leilani Kai charges in to break up the pin. Uh, the referee is administering Leilani Kai for breaking the rules. Judy Martin gets to her feet. Norio orders her tag team partner to ascend to the top rope. Martin is still dead center ring, dazed and confused. Both angels are up on parallel top ropes. They leap and hit double jumping bomb missile drop kicks. Cover by Norio. She hooks the leg and the arm. One, two, three. And we have new women's tag team champions. Immediately after the three is dropped, Jesse disputes the title change. He's like, Martin's shoulder was up, McMahon. And it is true, Martin's shoulder was off the mat. We may have some trouble here in Ontario, but nonetheless, it's a good match. Uh, I do think the Jumping Bomb Angels would have fared better with a tag team that can hang with them. But, I mean, what were you really going to get? It's, you know, it's cool to see. Like, it really is. Like, the, the there are some slip-ups. Um... The psychology is a little... Like, the, the the heel in peril in the first fall was weird. The second fall was very abrupt. And I don't know. The announcers... It, 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 the presentation's fine. I don't know. Like, two and three quarters, three stars. I thought it was going to be a barn burner. I volunteered for this contest because I was like, Fuck yeah! Jumping Bomb Angels in the 80s. Let's rock and roll and fucking show everybody what we can do. And And, and they're good. Like, they are. But it just wasn't the blow away that I thought it would be. But still, nonetheless, a warranted addition to the 1988 Royal Rumble Spectacular and a cute little slice of professional wrestling history as these titles were not long for the world. But that means I'm out of time. We've got to pass the baton here on Cronoso Monthly. Make sure you check out uh, my show that I do along with Keithy Langston once a month 
here on the North-South Connection Podcast Network, the Multiverse of Fabulousness, which is available on our YouTube channel as well. Our latest episode uh, saw us creating five TV shows starring professional wrestlers and pitching them to one another, uh, including a show where Andre the Giant is a professional baker. So check that one out, because it was hilarious. And a serious reimagining of the No Holds Barred franchise, which sees Rip recently released from prison and trying to collect his life. And check out my personal podcast feed, the new TNN, where I cover professional wrestling, movies, and popular culture. I just released the first episode of a three-episode miniseries that will be ranking every live-action Star Wars television show and movie, and probably pissing off the internet. I'm Johnny C, and a winner is you. For that incredible match, we cut back to Jesse and Vince as they recap the greatest story in WWF history, Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. First up, we show WrestleMania 3, the greatest wrestling match of all time, as Jesse addresses the controversy and is adamant about the fact that Andre pinned Hogan in three minutes. We see the whole beginning of the match leading up to the pinfall that Jesse says happened. Jesse is adamant that Andre won and refutes Vince's claims otherwise. We cut to the segment where Hogan says he's going to make a huge announcement about selling the world title to DiBiase. We see Hogan looking super somber, holding the belt like he's about to give it away. Then he serves the crowd and says, will he give it away? Hell no. That was a great segment. Another previous segment, we see DiBiase saying he gets what he wants, and he wants the world title. He will buy it no matter what. Vince says Hogan does not have a price, but Andre does have a price for the Million Dollar Man. Jesse says Hogan could have taken the easy way out, retired, a wealthy man, never have to worry about his family or his mother ever again, and he made a huge mistake and that he's foolish. Vince says Andre was paid off to do this, and they cut to the Saturday Night's Main event where Andre annihilates Hogan with a huge headbutt to the back of the skull. And then chokes Hogan right the fuck out. Jesse's reaction to that classic footage is to say that Hogan is a fool and that he could have been a millionaire a million times over and instead he is getting destroyed in the ring by Andre the Giant. Personally, I believe Hogan deserves everything he's getting for being an asshole and never giving his friend the props for giving him the respect he deserved. All he had to do was give him a title shot and none of this would be happening. Everyone likes to apologize in retrospect when they get caught and called out. He took advantage of his friend for like many, many years, 10 years, which is a very long time. Now he's paying for it. So uh, I'm always, I've always been on the side of Andre in this feud. You get another promo with DiBiase asking Andre if he will deliver the belt to him. And Andre says with the most intense face ever, oh yes, he will deliver the belt and he will enjoy it. And here Andre pantomimes the choking Hulk Hogan with his massive hands. This is quite the recap of the most epic, coolest storyline in WWF history. And then back live in the arena, we see Andre walking to the ring. We go to a commercial and when we come back, we get a shot of the crowd and possibly the greatest indication of what it was like to grow up as a child in the 80s. In the crowd, a man is holding his son in an over-the-shoulder backbreaker and jumping up and down crushing this kid. The kid is fucking flailing around. This is the greatest shot of a crowd ever in wrestling history, and it also is truly what it was like to grow up as a teen, a teen boy in the 80s. Just no fucking regard for your fucking well-being by anybody. In the ring, we have a table, three chairs, Jack Tunney, Mean Gene, Virgil, the Million Dollar Man, and Andre. Andre is looking fucking awesome here. He's got a sick-ass green kind of pattern suit, looking like a total fucking badass. Hulkster comes to the ring. He's wearing white cowboy boots. This is this is casual Hulkster. White cowboy boots. I thought they were leggings he was wearing, but they seem to be acid-washed jeans that are real ass tight. 
and they are fucking squeezing the hell out of his dick. Uh, white muscle shirt. Hogan's got the dress casual part to his hair here that he has without the bandana. And he is also wearing wrist tape for some reason. Maybe anticipating that this might get out of hand. He might need to throw some haymakers at some people, right? In the ring, he's amped up. He's playing to the crowd. He does have a look of concern on his face. He's not the Hulkster beaming with pride and connecting with the fans as he normally does. He does seem nervous and it's really cool to watch. His uh, nipples belie his uh, consternated face because his nipples are ready for a fight. Andre in the ring has his hands in his pockets and he is leaning against the top rope, sort of bouncing. His face is stoic, kind of apathetic, but he's kind of like a little boy in church, just kind of leaning against the rope bouncing like there's a kinetic energy to him he's not just standing there but he's never taking his eyes off hogan the fact that his hands are in his pockets and he's kind of leaning bouncing shows i'm not taking my eyes off you but i'm in your head hogan i got you beat i don't even give a fuck because i know i'm gonna destroy you i know i'm gonna kill you and it's a great dichotomy of how hogan's body language is and andre's body language is never has so little action meant so much in a wrestling ring i'll tell you that right now Mean Gene calls Jack Tunney over. They uh, sit down at the table with the contract. Hogan puts his belt on the table, slides it by Tunney. Hogan sits down. Hogan is, of course, on the left side of the TV screen, which is where the babyface always is, the bad guy on the right. Andre still bounced against the ropes. He has not stopped. Gene's trying to get Andre to come over to the table. Andre doesn't even fucking flinch or acknowledge Gene exists on this planet. He is just staring down Hogan. Contract for February 15th is sitting on the table. Gene says one time, I'm not going to ask you again, Andre, please. I don't know what he's trying to be tough or not. <laughs> like saying, I'm not going to ask you again, but Andre, please. Uh, maybe he caught himself realizing you don't fuck with Andre. He'll knock your ass out. Andre's like, fuck you. What you want, motherfucker? I don't give a shit. I'm going to hit, sit here and lean. I am a giant. I will do what I want. Eventually, slowly meanders over towards the table. Hogan here does a really good job. He doesn't stand up. He's looking up at the giant with fear in his eyes, which is something you don't see from the Hulkster very much. But also, there's sorrow to him. Uh, he's a elegiac, probably lamenting the loss of his friendship. And all he had to do was maybe work a little harder in this friendship, and this wouldn't be happening right now. <laughs> Andre pantomimes the choking with his hands, uh, really playing off that his hands are the thing, the weapon. That will kill Hogan here. Just like he did in the promo I referenced earlier. Hogan's looking to the crowd and uh, looking at them, like wondering, like if they see what he sees, the anger in his former friend and the fear, if they could feel his fear. Really great acting by Hogan here. Jesse reiterates here as Andre sits down that Andre is the one that should have the belt. Hogan hesitates to sign and DiBiase calls him out. Says you're hesitating, you have second thoughts, Hogan. Maybe you should have accepted the money. Take it now and give me the belt before you sign this match. Really baiting Hogan here. Andre staring stoically still at the Hulkster. I don't think he's blinked one motherfucking time this whole goddamn segment. DiBiase still berating Hogan, calling out his integrity. But there's a moment where DiBiase says, Hogan, you know you lost to Andre in three seconds. In three minutes, rather. And three seconds, that's what he needed to hear, and he signs immediately. Great job by DiBiase here. Why was Hogan not really signing? I think, once again, it's his friendship with Andre. It's, it's saddening him, right? It's, it's making him mournful for the friendship he lost. The contract's in front of Andre. He's just kind of looking at it. Hogan, in a really cool move, grabs President Tunney's arm and just with the pen in it and just pushes it towards Andre, saying, make him sign. Great stuff by Andre here as he picks up the contract and just flips through it. He's looking at it. Seeing Andre's hand on an 8 by 11 piece of fucking paper is a wild to see how small that piece of paper looks at his hand. We get a great over-the-shoulder shot of 
Hogan staring at Andre. Great camera work here and great acting by Hogan. Andre peruses the contract and Andre is loving it here. He's milking this contract, reading, leaning into DiBiase, saying, what's this? Dean's kind of like wondering why he won't do it. Vince is on commentary saying, just sign the contract. Hogan is not doing that. He's just looking. He's watching his friend and he's his former friend and just wondering where the man he used to know is inside this giant who would do such a thing, who would act this way, who would be so flippant towards their friendship and towards this match they're about to have. As Gene is telling Andre to sign, DPIC says, he'll take as much time as he wants. He's savoring the moment. So hold the mic and shut up, Gene. I always like when uh, Gene gets put in his place a little bit by the, the heels. I love Gene, but it's always great for those kind of moments. Another great camera angle here, as we see a close-up of Hogan's hands gripping and sweating and then we pan up to Hogan's concerned face once again, glaring at the giant. Another great camera angle here. The camera work in this segment is incredible. Andre looks from Andre looks from the contract, finally done with it, and looks right in Hogan's eyes. Andre points to a certain part of the contract. DiBiase says, ah, that's just sweetening the deal. There doesn't need to be a lot said. There doesn't need to be a lot explained in this because we know this story. It's been a year. It's been 10 years. It's been the history of both these guys in the WWF that you just can read what's happening in both their minds so perfectly and so amazingly here. Andre eventually signs the contract. As he does this, DiBiase says, now Andre, it's your official stamp on it. Andre here looks lissom and just jumps and, and stands up immediately with a spry nature that you wouldn't expect from the giant. I know 30-year-old men who have a hard time getting out of the chair than this fucking giant seven-foot-five beast. Hogan throws his chair out of the way, anticipating what's about to happen, perhaps. They're staring at each other in the... DiBiase is baiting. He's yelling. He's screaming. He's in Hogan's face. And just at this moment, Hogan goes to grab DiBiase as he takes his eyes off Andre for a split second. The giant attacks Grabs Hogan by the back of the head with his giant tree arms and with the velocity of a meteor crashing to earth, Hogan's fucking skull ashes into the fucking table, crushing his orbital bone, damaging his jaw, forehead is fucking pulverized. The momentum bounces him backwards as Hogan grasps onto the table just to possibly keep on his feet. The table, the hard oak table lands on top of Hogan and he is crushed under the weight of it. He is crushed under the weight of his friendship dying. And what is about to happen to him? Andre here turns around, gets out of the ring. He's done what he needs to do. The match is set. No need to inflict further punishment on the Hulkster. The greatest wrestling storyline of all time continued here with the greatest contract signing of all time. A great segment. Great work by the best of all time, Andre the Giant. Maybe we'll hear from the Hulkster later on. Maybe we'll hear from Andre later on. I hope we do. My name is Rocco Mortone, and up next is the Royal Rumble match. Check it out. It's time for the North-South Connections Cronoso 1988 Royal Rumble, starring Big Keith Langston, Ryan Everett, James Grunberg, JT Rosero, and Jennifer Smith, Michael Cook, Mike Rossi, Little Ryan Gray, Johnny C., and Logan Crossland. It's the 1988 Royal Rumble on Cronoso. It's the Rumble Royale. Right? What do you think, Ryan? The Rumble Royale? 
Rumble Royale, yeah, I like that. Royale with cheese, perhaps. It is now time for the Royal Rumble. Yeah, this is, it's weird to think, not given the full, full rule rundown, it looks like. Yeah. Oh. oh, yeah. So, oh, here we go. Yep. The number contestant one. that has drawn a number one from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, one half of the Heart Foundation, Brett Pittman Hart. And the man that drew number two, one half of the current World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions from Tallulah, Mexico, member of Strike Force, Kiko Santana. Love Tito's music. Tito's yeah, that was so music good. was like my favorite. That's like, like the kind of six head on the way out to place the barbarian with that music, Flara. Yeah, really? absolutely. You freaking hang out and chill with that music. So this is Brett, like right. I mean, this is three months really before his kind of face turn, right? You know, yeah. At, 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 so he's still with Jimmy Hart here. Brett wearing the uh, full oh, pink, pink, the full pink, yeah, the full pink. The full pink, none of the stink. <laughs> and Ch- Chico doing his best Tony Danzer impression. <laughs> yeah, he is ready to go. He is rip roaring and ready to go. This is good though, like building off the Strike Force Heart Foundation feud. That just so give it a little juice right off the bat. You know, that's two random guys. Yeah, I liked how. Um, I don't know if you're. I don't know if you're a fan of Young Rock. I'm beginning to think no one is. Uh, but uh, my brother and I watch it, and they have the episode where Pat Patterson is like talking to Rocky Johnson about like this idea that he. No, it's not even. It's actually it's it's the High Chief. It's Peter Maivia. So it's back in like San Francisco in like the '60s, and he's right. talking to like Peter Maivia about this idea that he has about the Royal. He basically talks about the Royal Rumble in like 1960 something in San Francisco. <laughs> And I, I just always laughed. I was like, do you think that Pat had this idea all the way back then? I mean, I you know what? This is probably the – this is definitely the best, like, secondary pay-per-view out of any of the inventions that they have. Like, this this concept is so much better than, like, Survivor Series. Oh, yeah. Obviously, it's so much better than, like, even, like, King of the Ring and – and the hell in the cell and the elimination chamber and all that. Like I just, I still every day, no matter how, how much I get aggravated with watching current professional wrestling, I still get excited for the rumble every year. Yeah. You know, it's still like, and especially, you know, with the stakes that you've got attached to it. Yeah. It's basically setting up what WrestleMania is going to be. So that's what helps make it so, so huge. I think I would think now, now, Tito and Brett, that's a pretty good combination to have as a one and two in the first Rumble. Um, other, like, I think some other notable one twos is the following year. You got Demolition, Action yeah, Smash. Action and I, I think the. Uh oh. Whatever it could be. Coming out. Who is it? One of these guys needs some help out here. Oh. Oh, oh, dinosaur bone. It's the natural. It's your boy, Butch Reed. Ah, oh, Butch Reed coming at ya. Natural. He goes right after Tito. He's going after right after Tito Santana. Oh, right face plants him. It's it's Chico. 
Chico is the word. So. Oh, Chico uh, Santana. WrestleMania three, I think. Yeah, yeah, from that. Uh, yeah, with the notorious when Tito rips slick. Tito suit, strips right? slick for no reason. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Mm-hmm. It looks like this is the first. At- this is the. This is notable. This is the first attempt, I believe, to throw somebody over the top rope. Yeah. In this ro- in this Rumble Royale. We're so still kind of getting the heels just team up to go against the faces and. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, oh, double noggin knocker by Tito. Double headbutt right there. But Butch Reed, a little too strong, not going to go down. Oh, and a big boot to the face. Oh, no. I find it so funny that this was on USA Network. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Cutting into that big uh, bunkhouse stampede by right. Yeah. It feels, like you, it feels like you are playing like a like the video game, like one of the video games. Like, oh, oh get up, kick him in the face, kick him in the face, get up, X, X, X. Big double X, X, X. I know that I know that um I could never win whenever I used to play like SmackDown versus Raw or whatever the you know, whatever the thing was, I could never win the Royal Rumble. Every time I was in the Royal Rumble, I would always get a winner. Oh no! Here comes the other half of the Heart Foundation, Jim the Anvil Nightheart. I will say something. Uh, I think James Grunberg is the most disappointing number three entrant in Royal Rumble since Papa Shango. <laughs> Hopefully just as quick a stay. That's my hope. Aww. Business is about to pick up. We have our first official tag team in the... Uh... Poor Tito just getting worked over here. Yeah, Tito. What, what, I, what I always find interesting with this Rumble, too, is like they clearly didn't get the concept yet of every man for himself because no, not even close. it's it like, is heavy heel face. And like, even when guys come in, Gorilla and Jesse are like, or Vince and Jesse, who is it? Vince and Jesse. Um, yeah. Jesse, I remember he says a lot like, oh, here comes so and so. You know, he's going to help out the other guys, right? Like, it's very yeah. much like they know it's right. going to be. One side, I can say that to the point where the next year, I think it's why they start with Axe and Smash and go so heavy on the yeah, go right man for himself because one. they knew like this year was they kind of didn't get into that as much as they should have. Well, aren't it's, there it's, only 20 competitors here? Yeah, yeah, okay. What was that until 1996, I believe? No, this is the only year with 20. No, this is the only year with 20. They had 30 the following year. Oh, I thought 1995 had 20. No. No, that, 95 is every minute, though. Oh, that's what it is. My bad. Oh, from Stone Mountain, Georgia. Jake. Oh, we got Jake Roberts. Jake. Speaking of every man for himself. Jenny the Snake hey, here. Oh, wow, right away. Oh, there he goes. Bye. Peace out, Grun. <laughs> nice. This is not a serpentine draft. Oh, thank oh God. damn. I've never been happy well, to be eliminated from a match. Look at Jake. Left and right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here goes Jake. Uh-oh. Jake to the Heart Foundation. Big save. It becomes like a tag match now, which, I mean, this would be an awesome mm-hmm. tag match. Yeah. Jake and Tito. Yeah. Like, imagine this Saturday's made event, getting like that anchor 15-minute spot, Jake and oh Tito. Oh, my God. That would, be, that would be awesome. Yeah, like right after Rick Mattel gets hurt and Tito's like, I need a tag partner, and he brings out Jake. Right. That would, that would be, cool. be awesome. Or even if they fought Demolition as revenge mm-hmm. for hurting Mar- uh, Martel. Martel. Sure. Martel. Jenny Martel. Work, working together. Yeah. Look at sure. him. Sure. Be a good finisher where, like, 
Tito hits the flying forearm, right? And like the guy gets stunned and turns around and Jake DDTs him. Yeah. Got a good little finish there. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, no. There's that discus oh. uh, background of the anvil coming into play on that clothesline. <laughs> I believe yeah, he irritated Jim Neidhart. <laughs> he just irritated Akeem. <laughs> oh, look at this. A beautiful pile driver. Uh, who do we have coming out now? It's Tina Turner. Oh, here he is, King Harley Race. Michael Cook from the kitchen. Michael <laughs> Cook from the kitchen. You're on mute, Hoss. Unmute that. Unmute you're that. On, you're on mute, old Hoss. Thurman Mervin here. There you go. Nope. No, I did it for him, and he did it back at the stop. Do I'll do it. I'll do it for him. Now we're good. All right, there we go. Nice. Holly race with a crooked crown on his ass. Yeah, the king. Why is yeah, this is right, this is right before he, you know, the famous table spot. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that off center crown always bothered me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't like that. I don't like when things are off center. If you're gonna make it to the left or right buttock, like do it like Tito with the tiny hat. Sure. Right? I just yes. think they made it too big, and yeah. if it's that big, it's gonna be in the middle. He- Maybe he just put his pants on like like you know how sometimes if you put crooked, your pants yeah. yeah like maybe he put his his pants on a little crooked yeah he was busy threatening Hogan like and he had to run out there quick <laughs> you know can you yeah, imagine you know, you your gun out of your tights before you go in the ring it's kind of hard to this, this this poor guy had he busted up his gut fighting Hogan and then he had to go around the circuit with the warrior <laughs> like. <laughs> He's got what? like the most old man arms ever too, with those <laughs> tattoos and like the no Uh oh, it's one of the killer. It's jumping Jim Brunzel from the Killer Bees. You got a jobbers. There we go. Whoa! Wow, jumping Jim Brunzel. Was that Jim Brunzel's? Brunzel. I think so. I don't know. Sounds like uh, the beast thing. I would have more respect Sting for Ryan like if, he was, if he was Flight of the Bumblebee for that entrance. That would have been, yeah. <laughs> uh, you just gave him an idea for uh, Flight, of the, <laughs> Flight of well, the Johnny. Flight of the Johnny. I'm more excited to see Jim Brunzel as he's taking on Bret Hart there, the worthless man that he is. Oh, get him. <laughs> we, we had a big six man. I want to know if Jim throws one of his trademark drop kicks in this event. You can't go to the air in a match like this. Oh, look at Jake, Jake pulling Jim Nidart's goatee. The young that's star, a, Jim Neidhart. That's an interesting maneuver. That's what he gets for that clothesline earlier. What a maneuver. Oh, man. Brunzel got all up in Harley Race right there. Yeah. <laughs> Full handful. Does anyone else take umbrage with the fact that Harley Race is called a king, but he looks like your least favorite step uncle? <laughs> I mean, if anything, Harley Race resembles freaking King Charles right now. I mean, <laughs> in both popularity and looks. You mean modern day Harley Race? Yes. Okay. All right. Stop it. Ooh. Echo. Echo stop. At this point, you'd rather be fighting Flair. Oh, Sam. Oh, Houston. Sam Houston. Sam Houston. Taylor. Oh, Sam Houston, the youngster. Sam Houston. Oh, save it is. Brother. <laughs> what a jobber that guy is. He, shoot, he saves his shoot brother. Nice. All I know is oh. Sam Houston never had the makings of a varsity athlete. That's all. I just always never remember Gorilla. Just thought like I'm going to need the side. Are we doing it again? WWE Network. Though. A little disappointed Rossi doesn't have the cowboy hat on. I'm not going. I know. 
spot botched entrance all around. <laughs> I was fiddling. Right on par. Sam Houston, 25 years old here. <laughs> a youngster. And a, about 160 pounds soaking wet. Mm-hmm. And he's soaking, he he's, soaking, he, he's soaking wet full of whiskey right now. <laughs> he had a bit of a drinking problem. I, mean, I don't know if I know this. Oh! Sorry, Keith. You guys going to get rid of me now? Oh, shit. Oh, no, I mean, I can go instead if you want. I'll to the multiverse with him. Oh, God, what are we going to do without Keith? All right. Someone's got to talk. <laughs> well, the Heart Foundation now. No, maybe not. Maybe someone doesn't have to talk. We get a <laughs> Nice little clothesline. Yeah. You can just wait it out. Regular row, rumble, good row. There he is. Oh, great music. I'm, like done. I am done with Taylor Swift. Danny Davis. Pop for Taylor Swift. Well, first of all, Johnny C was supposed to be Taylor Swift, and Danny Davis does not. Well, Johnny C is Taylor Swift, but Johnny Davis. Johnny C was supposed to be Danny Davis. Can we just bring Keith back. Taylor fucking Swift. So whatever, <laughs> we're rocking with it. We're rolling with it. Just like wow. Sam Houston's rocking and rolling, Danny Davis with these punches. Yeah, man. Oh, it's a look at King Harley Race. Oh, oh, no, like a like a slingshot. <laughs> Uh, hey, spots I mean, like that always know. make me laugh when it's a signature no spot. Like, memorable. like, how come that only happens to Harley and no one else? <laughs> like the, uh, the old Farouk, please no. Oh, please no. Which is now an official track on Wrestling Warzone every other Monday here on Talk Connection. We're tracking all Farouk, please no's. Ryan, you should get those Danny Davis pants, man. <laughs> those are hot. Those are quite the outfit. Becoming a child's medium for those legs. Yeah, well, I'm. It's more the shirt for me. It looks like def- that's definitely pajamas right there. Prison yeah. pajamas. <laughs> I like. He just went right home and went to bed right in the hotel with place. those on. Like he didn't even have to change. <laughs> just oh, put no, his little nightcap on. <laughs> Eat a couple sombras. <laughs> just a couple. Here we go. Big board is. That's not the Soviet national anthem. Oh, you that's foolish national. National. That's, that's, national. National. that's not the Russian national anthem. <laughs> you should have done the theme to the Americans. Hey, it's not perfect, guys. It is what it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm disappointed you didn't use the uh, the backstage thing from WrestleMania. I'm disappointed you don't have the Moomoo on, on it, so we can all be disappointed. Logan, how have you been taking the uh, negative feedback to your guest appearance on The Mandalorian? <laughs> the what? <laughs> I'm not sure I catch what you're throwing. The Jack Black. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, sorry. It's my fault. We're back. Oh, now we're now we're not a new two one zero. Now two one zero. Sorry. That's not even me. You did that on purpose. It's me. Well, I was trying to play something out of the, the songs. I had to go to the other thing. It's a whole time. Uh oh, two heels going at it. Paris, Stryka, and Glassnose. That's what I was trying. I thought I had it loaded in here. I was going to play it. Oh, uh, it's just I no night. Hey. I fucked it up. Now I don't have a fucking soundboard. I'm going to go back. Who what is your daddy and what does he do? Are we on the countdown? You need it now? It's coming up. Oh, I actually have the American theme in here. Look at that. Ooh, I have geez. a flat Russian slab. Oh, here it is. We'll get eliminated quickly. Oh, hi, folks. <laughs> We're in the uh, appropriate acoustic environment to rehearse. Oh, okay. 
I don't know where to go back. I, I was about to say, if you did the whole thing, I'm not sure I would. La I, I would last the whole. Uh, <laughs> Probably not. I am about to get eliminated. I'm pretty sure. Sam Houston still keeping that curfew on. Oh yeah. It's an ascot, Bob. Well, it's says good luck, Charles. The whole time he's handed on. Golly knows where they've been. That's been the other Oh. I don't have. No, uh, Brett's working in this. Man. Brett, Tito, and Jake really working, and everyone else is kind of doing it. Woke up running. I love them both coming out together. I mean, I guess it's a good job to like sell the confusion. Like I was saying, um, gone are the days when I would fight. Is fucking Gunther in this thing? I would like some Gunther shit. No, what's the psychology around having these two guys go on at once? <laughs> was so happy I think it was to get over the uh, get over the gimmick. Like they weren't sure. I, I, so I no, I'm pretty sure Nikolai just fucked up. Because you think Nikolai, he fucked up? Nikolai's yeah. a. All right, let's, let's, be let's be honest. Yeah. Oh, we never brought Boris back. It's you, it's you Boris. Has, has Nikolai Volkov what? ever been known to be a smart man? He stole some, maybe well, he won Wonderland. the prestigious Freedom Award. I'm not a smart was man. Was it Nikolai that got eliminated, or was it Bor Boris? Boris is out. No, Boris Zukov absolutely never got an award. That's for no. sure. Big Boris. How low is the former NWA champ fighting Royal Sam Houston? <laughs> Boris Zukov went back Houston's to the Houston's a feisty young, young, young up-and-comer. Oh, no, that's Harley. Okay. Little so ass-grabbing. Called out of his skull. Harley's had his penis grabbed a lot in this match. You think any of these guys? Talking, <laughs> you think any of these guys are talking about like, hey, you guys get that? You get that bag of coke for me in the back? Yeah. Oh, they have it in their trunks, man. Why do you think yeah. Boris was? Uh, Nikolai was chasing. Was, yeah, Nikolai was like, Morocco, you owe me thirty-five <laughs> kilo, thirty-five kilo. You owe me thirty-five <laughs> rupee for that kilo. I don't know why. I don't know why my Nikolai just sounded like Cheeky Baby, but it. Does. I don't even know where Morocco <laughs> is. Cheeky really Baby, Cheeky Baby, you always. Well, they're making Nikolai wait outside, which is hilarious. That is great. It's just like everything with my life. I have to wait on the outside. Ah, no, no. What a happiness on his face. Let me in. I'm ready to go. Oh, Morocco's now beating the crap out of Harley. Don Morocco has an elimination. He eliminated Harley Race. Harley Race bumping like it's friggin' 1975. Bumping in the ring and then bumping outside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's get that back room bump, please. <laughs> I, I'm going to go in the back and shoot somebody with my gun. God damn it, Killer B. I'm going to get you. <laughs> well, it wasn't a gun. It was a stun Harley, gun. Harley set the tone for, like, the Justin Timberlake hair. Like, he's all in on this hair. Like, oh. <laughs> he's not going buzz cut. He's not messing with it. I think next year on April 30th, I'm gonna I'm gonna record something where it's gonna I'm gonna go. It's gonna be oh. May. It's gonna be Harley. Well, Harley Race was the original uh, fat kid in a bad Santa look. Herman Herman. Hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it was. No, he wants. Uh... JT, you got, you're the only one that got that joke because it's it's gonna be May. I'm gonna do next year. It's it's gonna be May. Wow, Keith. That We're racing so into old. May. That's what you can use. Yeah, I know it's so old, Grooney. I'm sorry. Oh! Oh! Oh!
seu pau. I tell you right now, I got a big problem with Nikolai Volkov. <laughs> Logan returned from Russia in a heartbeat. Well, like cuck saw Jim Duggan coming. What a what a ends of the spectrum, like uh, you know, yeah. like the Soviet Union and the USA guy. Logan got released faster than Brittany Griner did. Did you? Oh God! <laughs> Logan's running the gamut of the Cold War. We got him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ernie, that hey, joke. Logan, if you could change. I can change. Grunny, <laughs> <laughs> that joke was lamer than FDI's legs. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> That's because he didn't have any legs. Grunny kind of looks like the Joker. <laughs> he's like, you know, when he's got the, I'm a man of my word. Yeah, yeah Grunny looks, like, looks like the Joker right before he shoots friggin' uh, De Niro in the head. I say he looks more like the hostage video in the gym. <laughs> Got the moving one for you, JT. Yes, thank you. <laughs> do, do, do I need to go shirtless to make it more effective? Oh, here he comes. Oh, my oh. God. <laughs> the Connecticut Cowboy himself. It, it has to be the second worst Cowboy ever. Well, besides the Dallas. Hey. <laughs> Is the worst cowboy uh, J.R. Ewing? Is he the worst cowboy? Or <laughs> Although I'm too young for that Yellowstone show. Roger so Morissette. Know. Roger Morissette for sure. Cow- cowboy Raja? No, he's the best cowboy. Mm-hmm. Cowboy Senior is the best cowboy. Mm-hmm. That's probably accurate. I don't know him that well, though. So I can't say that accurately. Love college basketball. Who was the cowboy on Wee's Playhouse? Oh, oh. Oh, oh no! Oh, oh nice! Oh. oh, I got an elimination. There you go. There you go, Nikolai. Whoa, who was that? There hasn't been a lot of eliminations. Who just went ass over, who, who was that? Morocco? Morocco yeah. just went ass over tea kettle. I'll tell you, Morocco face Morocco was a fucking workhorse, man. Like I never yeah. appreciated him much, and then watching a lot of MSG stuff for PTB, like yeah, he fucking he's moving hurts. in those matches. Yeah, he knew what he was doing. He was trying to get those last few paychecks because he knew it was gonna the something was gonna dry up real soon. <laughs> They're like all in on filling the ring up right away here in this. Uh, Established again. Tim, Tim yeah. has been selling for like ten minutes from like every single person in the ring. Uh, Brian Blair. It's Brian Blair. <laughs> Brian Blair. JTM said you haven't done the nine heart laugh yet. Make him. Humble. I did the beard troll so yeah, far. I was, okay. I, I was expecting that afterwards though. So. <laughs> 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 worst guy in here. Maybe you should have tried that. Never mind. <laughs> oh, Morocco's <laughs> going up in there a while. It's late. It's how, late era. Jim Nightheart laugh. How is Nightheart still in this thing? Yeah, it's a workhorse. Yeah. He's an animal. He usually gets. Right, no, God damn it. He usually gets gassed real quick. Him and Brian. It really hasn't been that long. What's that thing that he says at the Canadian Stampede? We're gonna forget our manners and go to lunch. We're gonna. We're hungry. <laughs> I don't know. He workshops it for a while. Yeah, he does. I know. Yeah. In the uh, SummerSlam '90 uh, promo, he says, "I just don't care." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. What are they? Do you'll know this. What's the quarterback say in the program? Let's put the women and children to bed and go looking for supper or some shit. 
You seem like a guy who's seen the program a lot. Keith or me? You. Ron Bat's the only thing he's ever been good for is slicing up beef. I saw once like a long time ago, honestly. (laughs) All right. I'm trying to think. I I don't even know if I – I don't even think I've ever seen the program. Program. That's a good movie. Ooh, nice. I'm excited. (laughs) I get to announce that coming down is one of the favorites here. It's the only good part about that. Don't whole go fucking mess with the country, music. boy. So, so, so much better than the Peacock version of uh, the Godwins. Oh, God, yeah. Oh God! Jim, yeah, for the WWE the WWE work, God, God, when Godwin's is horrendous. Couldn't let me. Oh. <laughs> it just came out. <laughs> <house. laughs> Notorious hillbilly lover. So I got hillbilly Jim. Am, am I still? <laughs> am I? It, am is I... he? Is he the notorious JIM? <laughs> Notorious fat ass Uncle Omer. I really don't even know. I really liked Hillbilly Jimmy. He was a really nice guy. You know, there was this one time I saw him and and he sh- and he showed me his cock. It was really nice. <laughs> we saw Hillbilly Jim at the um before WrestleMania 20. They did like a little road show. It was like Access before Access or whatever. So they came to the Stanford Mall and uh, me and Chris Colo went and we met Hillbilly. And we, I remember we asked him, we're like, hey, you know, because he was working for Coliseum Video or whatever. Like, when's WDF Network? Or a twenty-four-seven, whatever it was at the time, coming to cable vision. He's like, "Yeah, that's a good idea. I'm gonna find that out. I'm gonna get. I'll let you guys know as soon as I find out." And I'm like, "How's he gonna let us know? He doesn't know our information." This is. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like three. Years. No, everyone's favorite. Two thousand seven. I moved. Hey, JP, the only one that's missing is Frenchie Martin. Oh fuck, Frenchie. Let me guess. Does he, does he go after everybody? Does, light up a Marlboro for Dino. Does he go after? Oh. Does he go <laughs> after Duggan okay. immediately? Does he go after Duggan immediately? Oh, there goes Sam oh. Houston. Sold his ass for a while, but he's gone. Look, I need uh, Rossi. When Bravo gets eliminated, I need Rossi to recreate the the gun down shooting. <laughs> oh, there's Frenchie Martin on the sideline. Dirty oh, cigarette. <laughs> Frenchie Kaiser. Yeah, Frenchie Martin with his uh, Dennis lab coat on. You see everybody. Hacksaw Jim Duncan uh, tell you the story. Yeah, isn't that a good Frenchie Martin impression? Sounds like one of those stupid things from Star Wars. I'm sorry? I didn't mean to be offensive. Yeah, I take offense. Are we talking about the Jawas? Fucking no. Jenny knows all about Jawas. Everybody knows about Jawas. What the hell is. Oh no! How the hell is Danny Davis still in there? Axel has the best recollection of Ubuntu Guerrera getting her recognition in Australia. Oh, yeah. Oh. The ultimate. Oh, yeah. And, oh, and, and the hitman is gone. And no, the, warrior, the warrior is already blown up. Uh, <laughs> I'm surprised he's not going right after B. Brian Blair. Oh, Morocco's going with Hillbilly right now in the corner. Oh, my God. What are you going to do, hitman? You got a little rum on you. I wish they had... 
Hillbilly Jim jumped to WCW in 1990 and became Hillbilly James with the York Foundation. (laughs) (laughs) Hill William James. Hill William James would have been amazing. Don't go messing with Yorktown, boy. Yorktown, boy. Yorktown, boy. Don't go messing with Yorktown, boy. Sorry, I tried. Oh, that's one man gang. Oh, one man yeah, gang. I don't try that again. That was Keithy. <laughs> what? What did I do? One, I thought one you were coming in the ring. It's one man gang. You thought I was coming in the ring, except it's one man gang. Yes, I have been known to dress up as one man gang from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really gonna run with this Hillian James thing. I like Hilly. <laughs> Hilliam James is that's fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna do a build a whole draft around mm-hmm. draft idea for the tool man. Yep. Wrestlers names they join the York Foundation. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! No, no create. Oh, I'm out. Yeah, all. create your recommendation, but you have to oh. use a proper name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jake. Jake. That was out. Von Humar. Mr. James no, Duggan. That's Mr. Ronald, Ronald Bass. Hacksaw uh, yeah. Jim Duggan. Mr. James I'm Duggan. Up. I got my Tom Morocco still in there. Brian, Brian, another one tries to dance. Grab them cakes. Grab them them cakes. Grab them cakes. Jenny, Jenny, grab your Grab your chains. Grab that coke. (laughs) Jenny, you gotta grab some cakes. Can you grab some pancakes? I I don't have any cakes, man. Ethan took them all last night. Right? Ethan takes all the things. (laughs) Do we know if you know, Flea lives in your house? Was that number 20? What? Yes. Ethan Embry lives in your yes. house? Oh, Ethan Embry? No, from, my son, uh... Ethan. <laughs> Ethan what? Embry from what? Is he from Can't Hardly Wait or Vegas Vacation? JYD. Uh, yeah, JYD was 20. I, I believe I believe he's from both. He's also from... Uh, Thanks, both, Logan. But... Never mind. Oh. Oh. I want to see Dino Bravo get gunned down. Oh, if there were Nicola. 30 guys, uh, Don Baraka would not be in it for this long. How are we going to do this? Without I can't Keith? believe Danny Davis is getting offense on the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> Danny is here. We don't need Keith. Danny Davis has been in this abnormally long. Yeah. He has. Don. Don's still in it. Don't worry. I'm about to eliminate him. I'm about to dump his crooked rough ass out of the ring. Danny Davis oh. is making quite a fashion statement. And how does the Warrior not win this thing? I mean, I know it's January of 98, but I don't know. D- doesn't Virgil eventually wear those pants? Yeah. 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 Exactly Probably the same ones. Yeah. Oh, Virgil no. Some theme music, by the oh. way. Yeah. Why wouldn't the Warrior win uh, 1990s Royal Rumble anyway? Because it didn't work for him, brother. Wow. Oh, yeah, that's... Just oh no, Warrior's gone. Oh, Warrior's gone. No. Wow, I'm outlasting you, motherfuckers. Man, this is a big hot. Not me, ending. tough guy. <laughs> well, we got the Woodman Gang and the JYD. It's Godzilla oh, versus Cone. Ross, you better do the Dino Bravo gun selling. That is a lot of beef in that ring. You stole my cigarettes. Oh, I'm out. Where's the beef? Claire Miller now. Oh, God. Wow. How did Ron Bass be in the last Claire five? Claire not Miller. Oh, I think. Uh, Shit, I've been saying it wrong still... all these years. Oh, there he goes. Oh, no, she's still there. Still there. 
the first ever Final Four. Here we go. Yeah. A lot of beef here. Mm-hmm. Come on, Todd! Come on! <laughs> I don't know, know I where the like... beef is. There's the beef, pal. Things are about to get extreme here, I feel like. I don't love hacksaws. With an, oh, the avalanche! I'm definitely taking off guard with the hacksaw in the Ooh. black. I'm so used to him in the blue. Dino in black fucks with me, too. He should be in the Oh, Dom Rocco yeah. with his uh, rolls over here. That's the most athletic here. thing I've ever fucking seen. Yeah, oh my god. Fist of fire and yeah, fury. Oh, no. kick him, baby. Oh, brother slick. Fuck you, Frenchie. He's got a license to be out there. He can't drop kick Frenchie Martin. I didn't even know he could jump that high. That's just that's gonna a, motivate Bravo even further. That's a better drop kick than Jimmy Superfly ever had. Oh, oh. oh this works every time. Oh my god. Drugs him. Oh wait. Oh, he's still, oh wow. He couldn't even Hacksaw Jim Duggan asking his gods, is this Hands his off. time? <laughs> well, I, would lo- well. I would love to know the uh, words of wisdom that Dino Bravo just impressioned. Uh, oh, what a mighty leap from the Dugster. Two on one against a man that would soon become black and a man that oh was killed God. for selling illegal cigarettes. This of wooden wellness. Oh, what a dynamite double club. Axie Boomba from behind. Oh, God. Axie Boomba. <laughs> Duggan now. Oh, oh, my God. Just, he just got his head clubbered off. My Duggan God. looking like he's in the Matrix there with the slow-mo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All we got to do is throw him over, and then we'll go back with the earthquake. The earthquake. Now... Duggan, oh, a former member oh, of man. Team Canada. Mm-hmm, Why true. would you think this was work? Oh! oh. All right, Logan. It's just Take me and you. Shades of the original Pronoso ECW. There we go, yeah. It's serendipitous. Here we go. Oh. And he trades big strikes. Oh, my God. He's rocking him. One-man gang, those fighting back. This is like the old WWF board game. The oh VCR game. Oh, yeah. You get 10 points if one man gang wins. You get five if Duggan wins. I think they uh, they kind of redid that in like the early 2000s, too. I think my buddy had that, um, and we played it a couple of times. Man, I, I wish I still had that thing. I could sell it and put my kids through college. <laughs> I'd buy it from you for sure. My oh. God. One man gang is killing him. Well, I tell you, he's a, he's a one man gang. He doesn't need any assists. You got to surge up, tough guy. Come on. Shades of a Bobo from Double Dragon now. The one-man gang. The one-man. One-man gang with a big 747. Oh, no! Oh, my gosh. Jim Duggan takes it home. There you go, tough guy. Ho! All right, Cronoso Cucks, uh, the way you make me feel. Uh, little Michael Jackson was a 
number one song during this uh, inaugural Royal Rumble period, uh, celebrating Hacksaw Jim Duggan's victorious, uh, triumphant Royal Rumble victory in the in the first ever, and uh, Vince and Jesse are chopping it up about the big Hogan-Andre confrontation, and Vince calls it a despicable, going real hard, and then Jesse says Andre was just sending a message, and he could have done a lot worse. Uh, uh, great give and take right there. And then, and then we uh, cut to Craig DeGeorge with the Hulkster. Uh, uh, a quick recovery for, for the Hulkster, not really selling the big... Uh, uh, a table bump or whatever damage that Andre Andre did. That, that's uh, that was good foreshadowing by Jesse as they they were going to Hulk. He, he was saying that Andre could have done more, and uh, so so leaving Hulk Hogan uh, alive uh, to do uh, his big uh, last sell promo. And Hogan puts over a, uh, the big match on two five uh, on another network uh, at at the time. I guess you were saying and NBC weren't. And not not like today, they weren't uh, Blood Brothers. Uh, so he just mentions uh, February fifth, and uh, Hogan looking great in the in the yellow tank and the little blue uh, tie dye, looking jacked as ever. And uh, a, a generic uh, Hogan uh, promo. He, he he puts over the big match, and he's really putting over the Hulkamaniacs. He says Andre is not gonna be able to to beat him because he's got the Hulkamaniacs be, behind him. And uh, your typical garden variety uh, '80s Ho- Hogan promo. Uh, they they did a great job with, with this Rumble, uh, uh, putting over the big match. Uh, very curious. So uh, you know what, what's going to happen uh, uh, at, at, d- during this time. Uh, we figured that that maybe it was going to be Hogan Andre uh, at WrestleMania Four, uh, the rematch. But instead, they they're, they're pumping this uh, first ever prime time. A uh, big match, uh, which uh, will, will, a spoiler alert, it will be very successful in the readings. And uh, so uh, Hogan uh, gives this uh, last stunning promo before we uh, head to the uh, big finale of the Royal Rumble. Uh, the, the Young Stallions and uh, Islanders uh, uh, match. What, what a, a finale that is uh, to, to end this extravaganza. So uh, Johnny D signing out. This is Tim Slavka for Carnoso Monthly. I'm doing the last match of the 1988 Royal Rumble, the two out of three uh, falls match between the Islanders and the Young Stallions. Um, I always have trouble with these early uh, Peacock items of what's the music. It's tough to hear the Islanders' music versus the Young Stallions uh, because it's both overdubbing and also just their audio quality of WWE is not that great. So we get both teams coming out with music, which is kind of interesting because Haku, I don't think after this ever has music. Uh, You know, we've had a big Royal Rumble night that everyone's gone through so far. And this is kind of seemed like a, an end to the match. They kind of don't bring up why they're fighting. Um, And so it's an interesting match in that there's going to be an interview in the middle of a two out of three falls match. So, uh, kind of an interesting setup that we get through this match. Uh, the the the, uh, the entire match is off just a pace. Like I don't even know if half second is right, but you know Paul Roma and Jim Powers look pretty good in the match. They definitely can keep up with 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 Haku, but they just everything is just just a little bit off. Like the cross bodies are just not hitting them flush uh, to start offs. You know throughout the match, the first you know first fall is about seven minutes. Jesse and Vince do a great job of bringing up the entire events of the night. Talk about the contract sighting, talking about the, the weightlifting challenge that Jesse was part of, and also bring up Jim Duggan as the Royal Rumble champion. 
Uh, During the first fall, Vince gets into a weird commentary line about the Islanders' feet. And Ventura basically says, that's racist, McMahon, and calls him Jimmy the Greek, who was uh, famously fired for giving a racist comic. So really weird, uh, Vince saying that, and it's not been kind of maybe edited off the uh, Peacock. But uh, I thought there was really good commentary then by Ventura on the two out of three falls, how it's different than a regular tag team match and the fact that you can take chances. And if you even give one fall early on, it doesn't matter. You always have that second fall to, to fall pads on. It's a really good commentary uh, by Ventura. The match doesn't really lead to that, but it, uh, you know, it's just a great idea and great analytical point by Jesse. Uh, the first fall ends with, with, uh, the Islanders pulling down the top rope and Roma falling out and hurting his leg. I can't tell if it was kayfabe injured or not, but uh, that was definitely the way the fall was supposed to happen. Uh, and, and thus, you know, Roma's going to get his leg taped and actually bandaged. So it looks like he kind of hurt it more than maybe they were supposed to. What's weird is they go to commercial break. As, as you know, this wasn't a pay-per-view. It was a, it was a, uh, uh, televised event on USA. So they go to commercial break and they come back. They have an interview with the billion dollar man and Andre the Giants. It's so weird why in the middle of a match, they're doing a, a platform interview. Million dollar man pretty much does all the talking, just saying how he's going to own the belt and owns Hogan. Uh, and talks about their, you know, Friday night main event match in Indy. But I, I thought, Andre actually did a really good job putting himself over. He talks about how he's still undefeated, uh, that he's so happy and that he's he's ready. He's ready to win the title again and and Hulkamania. It, it's really also fun with during this interview that you just see the the, the Islanders kind of hanging out in the ring, like resting. Uh, so you can tell this was done live. So it just again, really weird presentation of a two out of the three. Uh, three falls. They come back to the, the ring then after the interview, after another timeout, and they restart the match. You can see Paul Roma's knee is really bandaged up. Uh, the, the Islanders spend the whole second fall attacking uh, Roma's knee. Finally, he gets a hot tag. The crowd is not really into it. As you look around, uh, there's a lot of empty seats. You know, might not be, might be something with more of the design of the building because the building's seats are all colors, yellow, red, orange. So it's very easy to see when someone's missing uh, just the way the color patterns are. So, you know, it might just not be as many open seats as is, but the, the hot tag to Jim Powers is kind of nothing. The Islanders end up getting back uh, Paul Rome in the ring and do a splash on his leg to, uh, you know, basically injure his knee uh, and then take the one, two, three to win. It's really crazy that they win two falls and a two out three three fall match. Like normally, you kind of get one team winning the first fall, the second team wins the third fall, and you know someone wins the final. This is straight squash, two falls. I, I put it as might be the worst end to a pay per view ever because the crowd doesn't really care about the young stallions, and then secondly, the Islanders just have no heat. The crowd literally leaves at, as soon as the second fall happens, so they must have announced that this is the last match. So really strange as far as like an end of a crowd, but definitely a very Saturday night's main event type setting for this where they put the end of the the last match just kind of at that last time slot and kind of spend most of the time in the match recapping the night's events. Um, of course, as we get the replay at the end, Vince says it's a devastating maneuver. They go to one more commercial break and they cut back and the arena is empty. I mean, empty in, in, in that three minute break, the entire place left. So I think it just must have been a long night for them. And we get Vincent, Vincent, uh, Jesse at the, at their table side, just kind of recapping Duggan's win and the, the, everything that happened, the Royal Rumble, 1998 Royal Rumble. Uh, so again, fun Different type match uh, with the interview in the middle, with the heels winning two falls to, to zero. 
uh, but kind of nothing nothing uh, special on here. But ends a pretty fun night and definitely a creative night as far as the Royal Rumble. So, uh, as I mentioned, I'm Tim Slavka. Every other Tuesday on the North South Connection, I do uh, New Gen New Gen on a Mission with JP, Justin Pratt. Uh, we, we're going for Brendan Shaw at Survivor Series 92, Brendan Shaw at Survivor Series 97. So check us out every other Tuesday. And then I'm on this Cronoso Monthly, jumping in where it can be, uh, walking, working our way through the, the pay-per-views and Saturday main events of yearlies, and now we're in 1988. So, Ryan Gray, thanks for allowing me on, and we'll see you next month. All right, guys, that's it for the 1988 Royal Rumble here on Cronoso Monthly. Next episode, we're going to catch you with the first ever main event. I believe it was a Friday night from Indianapolis, Indiana, with a record TV rating. I'm sure we'll be going over that. And we'll be bringing you the 15th edition of Saturday Night's Main Event right before we slide all into WrestleMania 4. All right, guys, we are cruising. This is our first ever Royal Rumble. SummerSlam is quickly approaching as we get into the big fours here on Cronoso Monthly. All right, guys, that's it for this episode. We will catch you on the next one sooner rather than later. Later, guys.